It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. Algiers is often described as melding punk aggression with gospel soul-searching power, but those are just two of the more prevalent elements in the quartet's singular sound. You'll also hear the thump of funk, electronic exploration, and the ghostly echoes of dub. It all began back in 2012, though the roots of the band were established much earlier, with three of the members growing up together in Atlanta. Franklin James Fisher, Ryan Mahan and Lee Tesh, the band's three original members, didn't really coalesce until they went away to school, coming together as Algiers in London. Earlier this week, I spoke with Fisher, Mahan, and Tesh about the origins of the band, what they've been doing since the pandemic shut down touring, and their homecoming show this weekend in Atlanta at the Earl, which will happen on October 9th. Find out all the details in my story on AJC.com. But first, let's hear from Algiers, including what it's like to open for Depeche Mode in stadiums across Europe. We're the two that are able to join you this morning from uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Oh, okay. That, that, was, that was one of the things I was going to ask where you guys are calling from. Uh, what, uh, what are you doing there? Is, is this part of a tour? Yes. We're... Oh, okay. um, we're... I don't know, 19 dates into a 23-date tour. So oh, okay. Wow. Uh, four more shows left. And okay. I don't think they really do shows in Truth or Consequences, but we were in <laughs> Albuquerque last night, and that was really fun. Place called oh, Sister okay. Bar. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, that was, I was going to see where you guys are, but I, I saw that you were on tour. The, the, the date that's coming up here at the Earl is actually the final date of the tour, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, I, and I guess uh, just to go ahead and get started, I wanted to find out, um, first of all, like, um, 
the the origins of the band when, when how did you guys get started um we all grew up in atlanta um we've known each other for uh i mean for most of our lives um you know we played music together as as kids um in different bands and we're kind of fans of each other's bands uh in atlanta and then as we um went to school and moved to different cities. Um, we continued collaborating and mu making music together. And, um, you know, this band kind of came out of out of that, just this long-term collaboration between all of us. Yeah, we didn't really expect us to be a, a, a band in the traditional sense. It all just kind of happened, just just working, you know, living our lives and working uh, on the music as, a, as just a source of inspiration and a release from daily pressures and political pressures and everything like that. Right. Yeah. So, and and when when did it sort of all coalesce? What like what year was that? Was it? That's I mean, 2012. Early... It's crazy to think it's almost nine years ago. But 2012, we put out a single, uh, uh, a seven inch on Double Phantom, which was a label based out of Atlanta. Um, do they still? Are they doing stuff again? Yeah, they're like um, they're just starting up again to release uh, a couple new a couple new records actually. So yeah, it's kind of become an Atlanta institution at this point, I guess. But even at that point in time, we weren't really touring or playing live music. Uh, so it really didn't coalesce until 2014 when we made our first record and we did some shows in London. We made the first record at 4AD Studios in London. And, you know, it was funny, just three Atlantans, you know, basically turning into a UK band, but that's kind of how it was at the start. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, that that's an interesting thing because, you, you know, you were based here in Atlanta, sort of, but then it, it all came together in London, it seems like. Yeah, that's right. We had a, we obviously had a shared love of, you know, British post-punk and even British rap, like modern British rap and grime music too, and dub and everything, you know, everything that comes out of um, Britain and particularly um, Jamaica and the colonized peoples. It's just, uh, it's really interesting place to make music and it kind of made sense for us and we all ended up going to school there and you know hanging out and making a yeah. band <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great well how um was uh i mean it's interesting that the you did all the recording and everything in in london but but it was released through an atlanta label um did was that just connections that you guys had still here and and all that yeah so um yeah, I mean, we still we still have a lot of um, ties and connections to the city. I mean, that's why, you know, this show on the, the 9th is going to be a hometown show. And most, you know, our family's all still there and stuff. And and um, yeah, we uh, there's a number of labels in Atlanta that we still continue to work with and have relationships with. There's a label called Geographic North um, that also like yeah, reissued re the, the seven inches part of their series. Um, but we, um, I, uh, largely it was just one of those things where we were making music and we just kind of, uh, reached out to our friend to, to help us out, you know, to, to give kind of a, a at least an initial place or foothold to, uh, um, you know, to, to, to our record or our music. So, and then randomly right. released, we released another just digital single and yeah, some people wrote about it and then Matador Records wrote us right after and said hey do you what do you think about putting out a record with us and we were like really <laughs> it was a, it was it was definitely a surprise to say the least just because we had been doing stuff on our own so much and hadn't really been focused on that side of things so and that's how we that's really how we came to record in london and at 480 
Yeah. Right. So, so that basically that, that those those independent releases got the attention of Matador and who you've been with ever since, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they had never seen us play. In fact, we had never played a show, so it was a gamble uh, on their part. <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember it was a funny. It was a funny thing because we met um, the uh, their head of uh, um, you know UK at that time, um, Natalie Judge, at a pub in uh, East London, and um, you know we were both we were all kind of trying to feel each other out. And I remember she said uh, she asked, "Well, we can't, you know, we really can't do anything till we see." You play live what's your live show like and both ryan and i kind of looked at us i was trying to think really quickly a way to like make up a story or something <laughs> and, you know and he just was like well we've actually never played live but we had such a long history of playing together that we were um you know we played many shows just under other band names and stuff um in atlanta and elsewhere that uh that we knew that we would be a good live act and we also knew that we could depend on franklin because he's so talented that he could really carry us through but we had actually we played our first show at corsica studios in south london the elephant it's a really rad place they do a lot of really cool interesting electronic music and late late techno nights um it was a wonderful show and it surprised us like it surprised me i was like wow this is uh this is a thing <laughs> right. well is is Atlanta still home for any of you? I mean, do you do any of you still actually live here? No. Yeah. Um, I was there up until the beginning of the pandemic, and then um, I uh, went further south, uh, which I never thought I would. Uh, and then everybody else is kind of loosely based in uh, New York, but it's it, it's a place where we all have family. And I think actually throughout the pandemic, uh, Franklin and Ryan were. Um, kind of relocated there just staying with family because we were in a the beginning of a tour that um we were about four dates in i guess uh during that that week where everything more or less shut down and lockdowns began um in uh, march of 2020 and right. so the we were one of the last shows in the country i feel like which was a saturday night in atlanta at 529 and everything shut down and we were just in our hometown and it gave us time and space to uh you know stay with family and kind of reconnect and you know so right uh, frank franklin and i spent most of 2020 in and around atlanta um and that's where some of our family still lives and it was actually a really interesting time to reconnect to the city because i moved you know, I moved to, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a UK resident, so I had spent most of the last, you know, seven or eight years there, and uh, pandemic just, you know, circumstances just left us there, and we ended up starting working on our newest record that will come out next year uh, right. during that period. Uh, and we also connected, you know, I was able to connect, obviously, with the, the activist scene and everything that was going on in June and the uprisings that were happening in Atlanta. And, going to marches and attending rallies and doing the things that needed to be done to draw attention to anti-black police violence. And it was a real connection because like Atlanta showed up big time. I mean, there was, there was so much solidarity and community that was happening during that period of time that, you know, it really was a rooting experience. Right. Well, now you, you, you mentioned that, that you'd been working on uh, some new stuff that's coming out next year. Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, we're, uh, we just finished tracking um, a full-length record uh, that uh, as soon as this tour ends, we're gonna go in and be mixing and hopefully um, the, uh, uh, 
middle of next year it'll be out right great yeah so where, where were you doing that where was that all based in one studio or several or yeah so it began um kind of began during the pandemic in atlanta um and uh we continued uh to work in philadelphia with our friend and um sound man matt rakini uh in a number of studios in philly so it was it turned into a long summer in uh in philadelphia right uh, uh, tracking so. <laughs> <laughs> we up there a lot in Philly way more than we expected to be and we had some you know it was a really creative time right well I it's interesting that, that you know one of the things I was going to ask about it's like uh, the the pandemic seems to have um, caused a lot of people to be a little more prolific and uh, you know if if this does come out in the middle of next year as you say that that will probably be the shortest time between albums right maybe um you never know it's always one of those things with release schedules with labels and stuff so sure. sometimes you know we would finish we'd finish a record really quickly and then it you know it, it takes a while to, to set it up and and then you know it'd be a whole nother year before it came out so but i mean we were pretty quick to uh maybe this was the quickest that we started getting material together after a release you know like i mean right. we were um you know within uh a few months of stuff uh the, the pandemic and stuff, Franklin, you know, had a whole, a whole album's worth of songs that he was sharing with us. Right. Um, you know, it was, it was the quickest, I think we had like fully formed demos for the basis of a record. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it, you released, there's no year, like just a couple of months before the pandemic, it sort of shut everything down. Um, I, did you get to do, uh, much promotion for the album, like live dates and things like that before uh, everything sort of came to a grinding halt? Um, somewhat. I mean, we did um, we did six weeks in Europe and we got to play on the Colbert show. And then it was literally, I mean, you know, it was such a strange time because that was like the, the early throes of, of uh, COVID, you know, we're, we're first when we were passing through Italy and things like that. Um, you know, and we were, it seemed like we were always a week or two ahead of things. And then by the time we got to the U.S., it was, that's where everything was, there was a lot of shuffling around. And I remember it was this, this strange kind of um, 72 hours that went from like, okay, we might have to take a break in the middle of like, you know, our Midwest or West Coast dates might be put on hold to like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get as far as South by Southwest. And then it was like, okay, no, the, the tour stops tonight, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, so you know, we, we were able to play some some shows on that, which was cool, because uh, if, you know, if we would have, it, it, that would have made it almost three years since we had performed before this tour otherwise. So it's, it's I'm glad that we were able to get that bit in. Right. And you mentioned the, the Colbert show. That was, that was like your national TV debut, right? How was that? That was, it was surreal. Um, I mean, yeah, it was in the Ed Sullivan Theater, and um, you know, it was just like one of those things that uh, that was that was exciting. Um, and I, 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 I uh, my aunt Debbie actually lives uh, not, not far from. Um, you know, she lives on the other side of the river in in New Jersey, and uh, I sent a taxi to pick her up to take her there because she was a huge fan of the show, and it was this. Um, it was uh, it was just a cool night that we were all able to kind of have together. I feel like you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a great performance. I, I just watched it the other day. I, I missed it the first time around, but it was terrific. 
yeah cool yeah thank you that it was a, it's, it's a really good setup actually obviously they have so much that goes on behind the scenes there and a lot of people working really hard to make sure that a show happens and the show that you'll be successful when you perform you walk out of the you're you're hanging out for about eight hours and then you walk out the door and there's like oh <laughs> we're on tv now we've got colbert introducing himself right before you start playing and you're like okay this is this is this is about to happen now I, another thing that's happened in the um since the pandemic you guys did um the cleveland 2020 um thing how did that happen i think i had the idea to do it as like a sort of conceptual thing to kind of uh, reinforce the idea that it just keeps going and going and going and going i i it wasn't my to record it particularly though i think that might have been Leah Ryan's idea or Al's, our manager's idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know whose idea it was. But con conceptually, you're listing uh, all the, the names of, of uh, people by, gunned down by uh, police gun violence, right? Uh, uh, not just by police, no. Right. Uh, it was uh, people who had had been killed by police, but also people who died. Uh, under uh, mysterious circumstances, um, right. you know, there are, there, are the, for there are the victims from the Atlanta child murders are in there too. Right. Uh, you know, there are people who who were killed and um, it seems like the, the, the police were privy to it, but they didn't do anything. No, it's not just police centric, but um, that is a large part of it, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it's it's a powerful thing and and it's uh you know i think it's something everyone should take a listen to you can uh find that online right i think that was on it, is it on Bandcamp? is that right um yeah it's uh it was a digital single that's released that's on spotify and on Bandcamp. yeah right you can also find it on youtube i mean conceptually the music the music the way the music kind of came together was really interesting obviously it's a very moving piece but we actually recorded different sections so we gave each other the um task to create different sections different moods of um the song so they came together separately so i would i'd put together something on the first part and then you had lee and matt working on sections and then working on sections and and so that actually really was an interesting process that congealed to together in a really fascinating and unique way as process oriented and so the, and the song itself is uh, is on our 2017 release um the underside of power it's a song right. called cleveland uh that it, it has a break in the middle um you know where uh, franklin is is saying the name it's, and the, the it lasts about like um you know maybe 30 seconds and so that was the concept was like well what if we just extend that right yeah until it you know i think the the, the current that version is like a 55 minute piece or something yeah yeah, I think the absurdity of the length of the names in the call, that, that was the whole point. So right. The absurdity of the situation that keeps happening. Right. Yeah. Has happened and will keep happening. Yeah. It's, yes. Yeah. The, yes, the end is, is sadly not here yet. So, yeah. Well, um, moving on to something a little lighter. Um, you guys have played in Europe quite a bit. Um, and I'm wondering if, is there a place there? I know that, I don't know if you know, Magnapop, a fellow Atlanta band, they, they seem to have quite a following in, in Belgium and the Netherlands around there. I'm wondering, is there any place in particular that seems to have embraced what you do? Yes. Um, we, you know, we, we do 
pretty well in, in Europe. There's different different places that um, for whatever reason, I feel like we have really great shows and turnouts. Um, you know, like we, we particularly in Eastern Europe um, and the Balkans, um, uh, as France and Germany as well. I mean, it's, I would say Netherlands and Belgium are maybe the, <laughs> the one question mark, but um, but yeah, and the UK to you know for 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 whatever reason like um a lot of people really connect with the things over there and shows are really fun yeah we were talking in, in the band the other day which places we had you know the best shows are the most fun and i think we kind of all said paris actually you yeah. know and it's not necessarily known for like raucous crowds and just party atmosphere but that's definitely the vibe at our shows and i also forgot dublin is a fantastic place to play we've had some really wonderful shows in dublin mm -hmm. but uh the balkans are really interesting we've played belgrade we've played you know zagreb we played festivals and in, in, on the croatian coast we've gotten all the way down to macedonia or um we played moscow so there's a lot of really interesting places mm -hmm. to play and that we have played and hopefully we we are able to go further afield maybe to, to asia and australia and south america Italy's really cool. Yeah, yeah, Italy's fun. Yeah, so so it sounds like all over. And and I mean, Europe's such a festival-driven thing. It's like um, you know, bands can spend the whole summer there just hopping from festival to festival, right? Yeah, and that's actually what we found really early on was like a really great way to grow our audience there and connect with people. I mean, it was interesting just seeing, um, you know, doing. I remember we early on we played the off festival in Poland. Um, uh, where was that in uh, Krakow or Katowice? Oh, Katowice, yeah. And um, and then the next year, all of a sudden, you know, we were playing to these full rooms all around Poland. And so that's there's a very um, almost like grassroots connection that you can find from you know a festival appearance to uh, to, to local audience growth. Right, and it's also I guess easier to get around Europe to go from one place to another here things seems to be further apart right yes and <laughs> there's also just you know helps too. yeah um there's uh there's also uh just a really great infrastructure as far as arts funding and um, right. in, in europe you know so uh, you, you'll a lot of times you'll show up to a, a kind of a town in the middle of nowhere um you know, like I can think of a lot of places in France and, you know, there are these beautiful uh, arts uh, theaters with, um, you know, that take great care of you and, um, you know, and it's a really great experience. And that's just kind of the, the, um, the, the there's just a, a lot different arts funding that you find in the U.S. than, uh, I mean, in, the, in Europe than you do in the U.S. And you have wild experiences too. You meet other bands, you see other bands, you play on the same night in the same facility as another band that you didn't expect to. Like I remember we were in Nantes in France, which is a, has an amazing cultural center. And you know, it's a town of Jules Verne and it's, it's got, it has these really giant animatronic elephants and things that walk around the city. And it's just a really art, centric place but that night we played in the small room and then the big room was magma oh yeah it was just a oh. wild, it was a wild night so we went we played a show then we went and watched or we watched magma then we played our show and so those kind of experiences happen a lot mm -hmm. we made good friends with lots of bands at festivals like downtown boys who've become good friends of ours and i don't know it's a, it's a thing that we hope to be able to replicate in the u.s because we haven't done very many festivals here mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's interesting. I, I I didn't I don't think I knew that magma was still a thing that they are still going. 
yeah they they were doing some sort of like french tour i don't know but it was yeah. interesting I met them they're very nice so. yeah that's yeah. great yeah. well i, I, I was just saying we, we did a run with depeche mode as well right uh, so that was um that was an interesting um experience uh you know kind of during the summer festival season in europe too yeah how how, how were their audiences for you the, it feels i don't know how did how did uh what was your reception like for that for the depeche mode opening gig yeah i mean they were they were super positive and supportive it was just it was really fun to do just to be able to watch that band play every night um yeah but uh uh they um the, the audiences were cool and i feel like we did we did gain a lot of new fans from that experience especially just playing in such big spaces it's kind of by default you know i think the final show was in um uh stade de france uh in the the big you know the stadium yeah. it's like eighty thousand people and we were on the jumbo screens and the next day i remember we went to the record store in paris and you know the clerk had said like the first first four people who were in the store had bought our records and you know so stuff like that's like it was cool it was a cool experience that's great well um i don't want to keep you too much longer but i do want to talk a little bit about um atlanta you you all grew up here um are there do you have any like uh special memories of atlanta anything that you miss i mean obviously you've been here a lot in the last year but uh anything in particular you miss while you're away um that's a good question um uh, i mean me personally there's just a lot of great restaurants and food stuff yeah um, you know that that's uh I feel like the the first thing I'm always doing when I'm bad was you know trying to get good tacos or something like that. <laughs> uh, about the uh, what about the rest of you guys? Um, yeah, I guess I just miss my family the most because I, I think I'm the only one whose family still lives in Atlanta. Right. Uh, between the three of us. Yeah, and I probably, uh, there's a lot of continuity and disruption in Atlanta, so it feels really similar, uh, but it also feels very different. So yeah. there's aspects of it that you, you, you're not even really connected to memories because they still thrive. Like the Earl's been around for ages since it's our whole lives, basically, and, you know, 529's basically been there, too. So that that scene over there in East Atlanta, I mean, I miss, I miss the house shows. We played some really fun, like, punk house shows back in the day that, that you know, obviously, we, we don't play much anymore. So, so it looks like uh, we'll, we can look forward to uh, a new album next year from you guys. Um, is what's, uh, is how, how is it different from what you've done in the past or is it? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's a, it's a continuation, I guess, of the, uh, the musical journey that we've been on, um, you know. Um. It is, but it's not at the same time. I think it's a radical departure sonically from There Is No Year. Yeah. Um, and this is Franklin speaking right now. Yeah. Um, I say that only insofar as I didn't write a lot of music on the last record um, for There Is No Year. It was, uh, we worked with our friends Randall Dunn and Ben Greenberg. And this is just my opinion personally, but the, the record was very much years presented through their sonic lens they right. made a lot of the choices of how the record would sound and what it would be and and it was a process and i'm pleased with how that turned out um but you know we met with them for about a year 
more than a year. We had a couple of meetings with them going into the production of that record. And I, I think one of the axioms that arose from those meetings was that whatever you think this record is going to be, it's not going to be that. Uh, and it might change pretty dramatically once you're in the studio. And so I, I, I just focused on lyrics mostly for that record, with the exception of, I think, Dispossession, which was written a couple of years before that record was made. And, uh, and sub bass, but that wasn't on the record. Um, but uh, this time around, I, it was just, uh, and maybe Leah Ryan already alluded to this earlier, I apologize, but um, just being able to be in one place, like for quarantine, I, I was, my sister was good enough to let me stay with her in her old apartment in uh, Mableton. But um, like I had my own room, I didn't have to share with another one of these dudes for the first time in like years. Like I had time and space and food and I didn't have to worry about money. And it was just like, oh, I can write music now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I feel more personally invested. What about you, Um Yeah, well, sonically though, like what the, 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 the new record, you know, what, how would you describe the, you know, how it's different? It's, it's a lot more hip hop influenced. Um, there's a plurality of voices. We have a lot of friends and guests on it. Yeah. Uh, which one thing that we wanted to do on the last record that we didn't get a chance to do was underscore the sort of live energy and sort of collectivity that we bring to our shows. And the last record certainly didn't really do that. It was just, um, I feel like it was, you know, loud, laminated, multiplied Franklins, you know, in terms of the voices that you hear on, on it, yeah. you know. Um, Whereas this record, we have other musicians, um, other friends, you know, uh, uh, my my friend's 10 year old daughters on it, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's, I, my takeaway is I think it's the liveliest, um, it's the liveliest record that we've put together. It's got, it's just got life, it's got energy, it's got, it's, you know, it's got experience. Yeah, right. And a lot of that comes from us learning and growing as, not only writers, but also producers of music, you know, being able to produce it essentially on our own terms with, with a friend who's really skilled as an engineer and as and, uh, and an ideas person too. So I think that's what the, the departure is the fact that it's really our most um, cohesive, lively controlled record from our standpoint since the first one. And this is Franklin one last time. I, I think um, Ryan Lee's projects that they did last year really helped to inform their processes as well. The, uh, the dead meat, um, record that Ryan did and the Mondo Decay record that Lee and Ryan did. I think that uh, that certainly uh, informed their approach to making this and like during the time they were making those albums last year, it, it was a very much of a sort of learning experience. Uh, I, if I can speak for you, I don't know, in production and engineering and yeah, I'm, I'm proud of those dudes for what they did. And I think it comes through on this record, this forthcoming record. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming it doesn't have a title yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I, I think that that's about all the questions I have. Is there uh, anything else that uh, our folks here in Atlanta should know? Um, I don't think so. Come out to the show on the 9th. Yep. Um, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. 
That's uh yeah at the Earl on uh, October 9th. That's this coming weekend. Um, yeah, check it out. And uh, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to talk with us and uh, and let the folks know that uh, you'll be coming to town and that you have new music coming, which is great. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Shane. And yeah, just to reiterate, there was uh, three of us now that we kind of all joined. So it was Ryan Lee and Franklin. Right. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Shane. Thank you. Two filmmakers in Chicago met and bonded over Indigo Girls music, so they created a musical film, Glitter and Doom, that is now shooting in Mexico City. It will feature 20 of the Atlanta duo's songs. The Indigo Girls have approved the project and will make a cameo appearance. Find out more about this upcoming film on Rodney Ho's radio and TV talk blog at AJC.com. From April 29th through May 1st, 2022, the sounds of Sweetwater 420 Fest will reverberate from Centennial Olympic Park once again. After canceling and rebooking artists for Sweetwater 420 Fest in 2020 and 2021, owner Jennifer Bench is relieved and excited to announce it's time to resume the event. The festival was announced earlier this week. Find out who's playing and read our interview with Bench at AJC.com. Horizon Theatre Company has made clear its desire to expand its black audience as well as produce more plays by black playwrights. For nearly 20 years, the theatre has tried to build both constituencies, first by showcasing a play each summer designed to appeal to black audiences, particularly black women. Then three or four years ago, the theater decided to add another play to its annual season schedules, again aimed at black or non-white audiences. Now there's a new initiative called the New Georgia Woman Project, Black Women Speak. Organized and led by Marguerite Hanna, Horizon's associate artistic producer, the project is designed to be an incubator for both established and newer playwrights. In an effort to make sure the resulting work resonates with its target audience, this summer the theater invited 170 black women from across Metro Atlanta, some Horizon patrons and some not, to participate in virtual coffee chats. Find out more about this effort in Rosalind Bentley's story on AJC.com. As surviving monkeys Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolans make their way across the U.S. on the group's farewell tour, their standing and legacy is in a much different place than it was in the years and even decades when critics and casual music fans alike focused negatively on the band's beginnings. Let me just do that a whole thing again. As surviving monkeys Michael Nesmith and Mike. As surviving monkeys Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolans make their way across the U.S. on the group's farewell. Fuck. As surviving monkeys Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolans make their way across the U.S. on the group's farewell tour, their standing and legacy is in a much different place than it was in the years and even decades when critics and casual music fans alike focused negatively on the band's beginnings as a made-for-TV outfit who initially did not play on their own records. They'll bring this final tour to Atlanta Symphony Hall this weekend. Read our interview with Mickey Dolans on AJC.com. To subscribe to the e-paper or to get the AJC delivered, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.